0: Hi, I'm Chris Schaffery, the president of the AANS, and I want to invite you to Boston for our annual meeting, which is going to be held on April 25th through 29th, 2020. The theme of the meeting is the world of neurosurgery. It's going to be an exciting, informative, compelling meeting, and I strongly encourage you all to attend. Neurosurgery Podcast. I'm Mike Wang, and I'm here with my co-host, J.P. Colson. We are here to discuss all things neurosurgical. Hi, this is J.P.
1: Colson, a resident in neurosurgery at Rush University. Please note that this is not a CME event, and the opinions and statements made in this podcast do not reflect those of any institution or professional organization. Now, let's get started.
0: We're live. So today we're joined by robin psyche robin is a nurse practitioner and we're going to talk today about the fastest growing population in the neurosurgical community which is i mean i guess we call them apps right advanced practice providers is that correct
2: correct is yes. that
0: what you like to be called
2: yes or, or nurse practitioner but yes okay. apps i think is the preferred term
0: are they nps or ARMPs where you're from
2: um nps and
0: nurse practitioner okay yeah. great great robin why don't you begin by just introducing? yourself to our audience, and uh, and tell us a little about yourself, like how you grew up and where you're from.
2: Um, okay, so I am originally from Chicago, um, grew up in Chicago, born and raised, went to undergrad nursing school at Rush um, in Chicago, um, graduated from there a long time ago in 96, 96, um, then um, basically moved out to San Francisco, went to grad school here at UCSF. Um, I was the second class of acute care MPs here in San Francisco. Um, So did that here and then um, moved out to Houston, then Denver. I've been in Denver now for 16 years. um, And I've been working with neurosurgery at University of Colorado for those last 16 years. Um, I do inpatient and outpatient um, as far as patient management. And so see patients in the ICU, on the floor, in clinic. And um, that's about
0: it. Wow, that's great. So we actually had Alice uh, Edwards, uh, the nurse practitioner. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's She's a PA. She's PA, right? Yes, yep. Uh Yeah, a little debate about, you know, whether residents or... PAs were more valuable, but uh, f- for you, we'd like to focus on a slightly different aspect, which is uh, the concept of what they call it onboarding, right? Mm-hmm. So a uh, practice is bringing on someone uh, with your skill set, and they want to integrate them and get them ready to be part of the group, right? And it, my understanding, it's pretty extensive as a process and pretty involved. Um, have you onboarded any folks at your institution?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it's becoming more of a process than it used to be. When I started 16 years ago, and even after that, I think a lot of times people were kind of just thrown in, and it was a sink or swim kind of situation, and then people realized that that maybe didn't work out so well for everybody, and then they were losing people and not retaining um, NPs and PAs that way. So now it is more extensive. Um, there's you know, more processes in place for that.
0: Now, some of our listeners are APPs, and I kind of want to hear about it from two perspectives. So I've never asked anybody to do this on the podcast, but there's the perspective of you being the on-boarder, and then there's the perspective of the new hire being the on-boardee, right? The uh-huh. person coming on. Mm-hmm. And I think the perspective may be a little different. I, we recently went through a very complex negotiation to bring on one of our nurses who became a nurse practitioner, which is how we usually do it in Miami, and to hire her on, and it was hard because... Um, you know, like obviously, you guys deserve to be paid very well, and and the university was pushing back a little bit, so that we almost lost her, mm-hmm. and a wonderful, wonderful new hire. So tell us about how the process works. First, from you being a manager, so you're going to onboard a new person, right? How do you? What's what's the process of that?
2: So I mean, first of all, I'm definitely not a manager. So my my primary focus is clinical. Um, I do have a small FTE in the Office of Advanced Practice at the University of Colorado where I actually do um, help. I'm a kind of a clinical liaison for onboarding. Um, and so they have a whole program where they actually have an orientation um, You know, with the Office of Advanced Practice at the university. And then really a lot of it then kind of falls to the specific department or division that a PP is in. Um, so at this point, it's not standardized 100% percent but we're working towards that. I think the ideal thing is um, to, you know try to standardize it as much as possible so that everybody gets similar um, you know, experiences. Um,
0: so uh, let me ask you more specifically. I think it's an overbroad question. Yeah. So you have a new hire on. Let's say let's, let's talk about clinic first. It's mm-hmm. limited it to clinic, right? Yeah. So you're bringing someone into the clinic. What, do you, do you have them spend a little time with each of the docs do they shadow you you know what what do you actually do
2: yeah so if they're coming on to into our department as a whole they basically come into each clinic and shadow either the physician you know or the APP or both um, depending on how their clinics are set up and um, so they'll come in and they'll basically see patients with that provider and talk to that provider about what's going on with each patient they'll kind of get that clinical background and and you know, see the different um, roles you know within the clinic, basically.
0: And from the perspective of the person trying to bring someone in, the onboarding individual, which is what you usually do now, what are the challenges? Like, what what are the choke points? What are the difficulties uh, with that? Because it's quite it's quite a it's quite a complicated process, right?
2: The choke points with bringing somebody in to... Yeah, them. like,
0: is it trying to get them onto the EMR and learn that? Is it trying to get them to, to get along with their no, docs? Is I it, mean,
2: no, I don't think it's any... I don't think, you know, usually it's not a problem with... it. it, it I think it's mostly culture, honestly. It's the culture right. of that specific department um, and kind of how they value APPs more than anything is what I've seen. And so if you have, you know, individuals who don't value APPs and maybe see them more as... A medical student slash intern role forever, um, mm-hmm. indefinitely. Then you know that's not really a good professional growth kind of opportunity for that app, and nobody wants to do that forever. And so I think that's been honestly the biggest thing.
0: But I mean, specific to getting them into your practice, that kind of, that happens later, right? Uh-huh. But you've got to bring someone who basically could be a new grad or maybe only worked in OBGYN or family practice or whatever. And most of them don't have experience in neurosurgery, right? Cause we're relatively small as a mm-hmm. specialty. And then now they're thrown into this situation where there's a lot of intensity, yeah. um, litigation, anger, opiate use, um, you know, that's people that are hurt. <laughs> well, people that are hurt. Yeah. Uh, people that are now paralyzed. People that are now blind, and that's part of what we do as neurosurgeons, right? People that so, lost their job. So, so I guess,
1: first off, do most of the new hires for APPs that you see and that you've seen in these different places you've worked, are they mostly straight out of school, or are they people who've worked in other fields as APPs and then make the lateral move over to neurosurgery?
2: It's a mix, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I've seen a handful of both, um, and I think there are pros and cons to both groups. You know, I think, you know, it's nice in some ways to have somebody who's got some experience, you know, seeing patients and they know, you know, how to deal with the EMRs and, and, you know, those types of right. things um, because that helps a great deal. But then, you know, having the newness of a, a brand new practitioner, too, I think is, can also be a pro. Um, you know, with, you know, just kind of learning and you're able to teach them exactly the way you want them to do they things. They don't have to unlearn right, anything, exactly right? Any yeah. bad habits that they may have developed and things like
0: that. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, when you look at like the training for a neurosurgeon, it's seven full years and you're usually not even good till you're seven years out. So you're 14 years out of medical school and then you're finally okay. If you're talking about a family practice doc, nothing against them, but they do three years of residency and that's it. Mm-hmm. And they start. And so, you know, like the complexity of what we have to deal with, and by virtue of that you have to deal with, is, I mean, it's not straightforward, right? So how do you, how do you get someone ready for that? How do you get somebody ready for being in the clinic alone with these people, with these I mean,
2: patients? I think it, to me, it's just repetition, you know, doing it over and over and over, and... Being attached to their hip while while they're doing it so that they have a mentor right there that they can ask questions and being open with them and not, you know, I mean, we've all probably met or known people who are punitive in some ways. If you ask them a question and they yell at you, you know, not being like that and being, you know, available and approachable um, so that these people feel like they can reach out to you for, for questions as they move forward and become more independent.
1: So, so where you are now... Mm-hmm are the APPs generally in a shared pool between the different physicians, or is it an APP will work with a given physician?
2: It's an APP work. Okay, with a Okay, because I've physician.
1: seen both in different yeah. places. I've seen both models. And so that, that's, for the question I want to get to, that's a more useful model. How, how do you see people handle um, either people who've worked in different fields and then make the move to neurosurgery or the APP straight out of school, how do you see them handle not just dealing with the neurosurgical patients, but how do you help them learn to deal with neurosurgeons?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, honestly, at University of Colorado, and I'm not just saying this, I mean, we really have really normal neurosurgeons. I mean, and I've worked at all different places, um, you know, in different cities in in the United States, and I know that there are normal ones and maybe not so nice slash not normal ones. Um, and so, honestly, there's, there's no problem with that piece, you know, with, you know, kind of guiding them into that, that part of it.
0: Yeah, because I'll tell you, John, I, I, we've had problems. So I'll give you an example. Um, nurse practitioner who used to work in family practice, they're used to talking about mundane aspects of care that can be taken out of an algorithm, hmm. and it's just like, oh, your blood pressure medicine, your diabetes, all that. And that's very important stuff, so I'm not diminishing it. But that is a very different role. walking into a clinic with somebody who has been devastated let's say they had had a surgery somewhere else they're they're ready to sue that person they're angry they've got issues you know they can't walk and they're looking for a solution right it's like night and day and a lot of folks we just see it it's like you know it's like deer in the headlights yeah. Right. And, and it's not surprising, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I personally think that APPs and neurosurgeons should get paid more than APPs in other fields, just like neurosurgeons get paid more than family doctors. And, and, we, and that's correct. It should be that way because the di- level of difficulty and challenges is like night and day, you know. But so let's, let's flip it around and ask from, I think we're getting to this issue of the perspective of the person being onboarded right? Because it is intimidating working with us. And, and, and I, I always tell people that, uh, you know, if you meet a surgeon, they're super sweet and nice. Oftentimes that person isn't a very good surgeon because it's just like with Navy SEALs. Navy SEALs aren't all warm and cuddly because you got to do the, the you got to take care of some serious stuff. Um, and so how do you deal with that? Like you're coming on and you're dealing with these guys who are super aggro, super brilliant, hard working, hard charging,
2: I mean, I guess honestly to me, like maybe I'm weird like this, but to me, I just see everybody as a person and I don't care how smart you are or how aggressive you are, how arrogant you are. I'm not, I can cut through all of that and just kind of get to the, the problem at hand.
0: But not everybody's so, like that, right? No,
2: but I try to, I guess I try to model that behavior and, you know, because I don't want people to feel timid about talking to the person that they have to work with all the time and manage, you know, patients with. You know, you don't want a situation like that where you have an APP who feels intimidated by you all the time, right? I know that your, your MPs would never feel like that because you're, you are so... No, they might afraid.
0: sometimes. They might sometimes because, you know, look, I mean, we're humans, so like let's say that I come out of the OR and let's say there's been a disaster there, right? And I come in and I'm in the clinic now and I'm with them, I might be in a different state of mind than another day. Sure. And in certain fields of medicine that doesn't ever happen like maybe once in your career that happened. But, yeah, but for us, it happens like regularly, right. every month, right? But
2: everybody has bad days. I mean, to me, it's like, it's just a bad day. You well, know Henry I
0: mean? Marsh has a great quote. He says, never marry a neurosurgeon because their bad day is always worse than your bad day. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a bad day meaning not like I'm upset at my wife, like you just, you know, you pulled somebody's nerve root out. Right. You just wrecked somebody's life right? Because that's the nature of what we do, right? And, and that's why people are interested in what we do. One of the reasons. And yeah. we have the ability to restore that too, right? So it's, it's very intense, I think. I think being an APP in our field is, is, is I mean, you were you very zen about it. I love that. I mean, they must love you there in Denver.
2: I mean, I think I just, I, I try not to make it a bigger deal than it has to be. You know, yeah. to me, it's like, you know, we're, we're all working together. The whole goal is to take care of the patient. And to do a good job at doing that, you know, why make it more, you
0: know, painful? So maybe analysis. that's why you're successful in that, in, in yeah. your department, right? Maybe because you can sort of Yeah, but, I mean, I'm not saying that rest. there's
2: never been, you know, there, there have definitely been, you know, NPAs or PAs who have come into our department who have been like, hell no, I'm out. This is <laughs> not work.
0: So tell us about but that. Tell us, because that because we can learn from that. Yeah, what happened?
2: Uh, I mean, so honestly, the, the times that it's happened has been when we've tried to make it more of a shared model type of thing. Where we tried to say, let's have, you know, a floor service. And uh, then, like, they didn't belong, you know, to anybody specific as far as surgeon-wise. And so then they didn't have anybody in their corner, you know, basically, constantly. Um, the surgeon you did. Know, help, yeah. Exactly. A okay. surgeon really, like, being able to stand up for them kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, so I then see. then it became a little bit of, like, you know, the residents want them to do all the scut work all the time forever, you know, and ever and ever and ever and ever and there wasn't really any professional yeah, so satisfaction
0: let's section from that. Yeah, let's talk about that. So now, we were talking about outpatient sort of, but the inpatient is totally different, right? So right. tell us about that. Like, what, what are the challenges there, you know, in terms
2: of? Well, now, of- I mean, so now we don't have a floor service anymore. Now, we you know, all the um, owned, you know, um, APPs with their surgeons, you know, so we basically, the APPs will round on their inpatients independently.
0: Oh, so you're basically like with one surgeon, you follow the patient in the clinic, you follow the yes. patient in the hospital. Oh, yeah. so you're functioning kind of like a, a mirror almost of the surgeon, right? Yeah. In some ways, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, basically. But it's also, it, it really depends too on the surgeon that you're working with.
0: Yeah, so, I was going to ask you about yeah. that.
2: Yeah, so there's, I mean, there's lots of different models. The way that my model functions is that, you know, I mean, I really like taking care of the patients in the hospital. I love the inpatient stuff much more than outpatient. I guess most people probably feel like that in this field. But that that's where I like to spend my time. Um, and so I see patients, you know, kind of throughout that whole you know, ICU floor and then also outpatient.
0: So there are different surgeons in your department, and right. I, you've been to many different places. and. Sometimes the match is in that model, right? Sometimes the match is a little better. Sometimes it's a little worse. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's surgeons that are more, are better liked, right. In general that people like I prefer working with that surgeon and then somebody's stuck working with the guy that it's not so pleasant. See,
2: it's right? not even that. It's more that, you know, like they get hired on as that surgeon's APP. Mm, yeah. And so they're, they're kind of, you know, you know, with that person from the get go.
0: So they don't know anything else.
2: Right, exactly. So we don't know anything else. Yeah. And, and again, I mean, honestly, again, at University of Colorado, we really do have some really nice normal surgeons. And so honestly, I can't think of anybody. Who, yeah, we, we have a
0: situation like that in Miami. It's like some of the neurosurgeons, they don't want the APP to do anything except the most basic aspect, make no decisions, and just basically do the exam and HMP and all that and do the paperwork. And, and that's the limit. Right. And in other surgeons, like I want my nurse practitioners and PAs to take complete control of everything and own it, and you know, of course, that makes my life easier. Right. But then, if anything goes bad, you know, I have to take the heat too. Like I right. have, to, I, I have to stay, like, what you, be in their corner. Is that what you said? Exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah.
2: And that, and that's how my model functions. So, like, my my surgeon wants, you know, to be across the world, and I could be seeing patients in clinic and signing them up for surgery or gamma knife or whatever, um, you know, and he'll hear about it when he hears about it, kind of thing. It's not, um, you know, he wants us to be super independent. Yeah,
0: maybe that's why your system works well. Like, like the fact that you have a good, solid working relationship with a predictable individual.
2: Absolutely, right? absolutely. Mm-hmm. And not everybody does have that for sure. And there are, you know, other people who, you know, aren't able to really function at the top of their scope of practice, you know, they're doing things like, you know, scheduling or, um, you know, having joint visits, you know, with the surgeons yeah. and things like that.
1: Well, and, you know, in other models where the APPs are are shared throughout a department, and don't have a dedicated attending, um, you run up the problem that residents in every program have where you have the schizophrenia of serving so many masters. And so you see a patient and you figure out what's wrong with the patient and you don't just think, what can I do to help? You have to think, wait, this is Dr. X's patient. Dr. X does this. And so then you have nine or fifteen branching mm-hmm. algorithms of care mm-hmm. uh to direct your decision making instead of in yes. your situation you've got one doctor right. who you've been working with for many years you know X mm-hmm. leads to Y.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah because that is a hundred percent true. You have like three thousand different, you know, ideas about when you should start sub Q heparin or like should the patient <laughs> be on post op antibiotics or a- Steroid weans. That's so freaking annoying. Yeah. So I mean I felt I feel terrible for the residents because it sucks. You know, when you have that many things to remember and, you know, potentially screw up because there's so many different ways of doing yeah, it. Yeah, it
0: brings up this issue that, I, and I, I've seen this fail so many times, which is, let's say there's a smaller hospital, they're recruiting a neurosurgeon, right? So they get the neurosurgeon in, they say, okay, well, your support will be an APP, right? But the APP covers, like, neurology and neurosurgery. And that person mm-hmm. cannot possibly keep, you know, it's so different, right? Cannot mm-hmm. possibly keep both groups happy. right. Because the, the culture is, as you said, the culture totally. is so different.
2: Totally. I've been in neurology, too. I worked in stroke for my first time. Oh, really? On. Okay. And it's like, you know, just standing around pontificating yeah. for hours and hours <laughs> and hours. Right. And I got value from that as a new MP because it was great to learn all those things and hear about all the studies and all that. But then I got to neurosurgery and it was like... No, we're not going to stand yeah. up and
0: talk about this. We ever. want around round at 6 a.m. go quick, and they want around round at 10 a.m. and take all day, right? Right, exactly, yeah. 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 Well, you got to get to the OR. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Well, tell us, though, so you're in an academic program, right? So mm-hmm. so JP's at Rush, right? He's are okay. yeah, stopping grounds. Uh, oh, cool, yeah, yeah, totally. So what? What? Is, how do you interact? Like how do you, you? You touched on it, but interacting with residents brings a whole another dimension mm-hmm. of complexity for you. Honestly,
2: our relationship with residents has gotten so much better. So I like I said, I started sixteen years ago. I mean, acute care NP, which means my basis is really hospital. I'm really hospital based, and so when I was yeah, I was one of the first couple of NPs in the hospital. And they were kind of like, what the hell do we do with this person? Like, you know, the residents were like, why are you writing orders in our charts? Why are you writing notes? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Mm-hmm. And so there was a lot, you know, I think I I got really feisty about all of that. I got really pissed off and wanted to, you know, yell at everybody about it and get in fights about it. I got in fights about it all the time. And then I realized over time that there were some things that were worth fighting about and that there were a lot of things that weren't. You know, like there's a, a thousand different ways to do, you know, any one thing, um, and so you don't have to fight about everything. And so now things have just gotten so much. You
0: say better. it got better, like what actually happened that made it? Better? I don't
2: know if it's just that we, you know I've been there for so long that now the residents, you know, and we have such great residents now too. You know, I think it's probably a combination of personalities. It's the millennials. What's that? <laughs> the millennials.
1: <laughs> My, nicer residents. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what it is other than, you know, again, me being there for a long time. And so I think you get respect as you've been there, you you know, as you, you've you been in a position for a longer time. But also I think I'm easier to work with and I don't get, you know, mad about everything as quickly as I used to. Yeah,
0: great, great. Wow, well, that's very helpful. I mean, I, I hope that the, the APPs, are, uh, aspiring APPs, listen to this. Uh, it's, it's an important uh, aspect of what we do because you guys do so much. And how many APPs do you think are in neurosurgery now? Not, not organized neurosurgery, but just doing neurosurgery. Oh
2: wow, gosh, I would, I would totally have to. Got to be guess. thousands, right? I would guess. I mean, yeah. it, I mean, when we just had our um, APP meeting, I mean, that in was, Orlando, like, yeah, there was yeah. over three hundred there. Yeah, which obviously
0: is just a chunk of people. That's a small group, yeah. Because yeah. nobody's going to let all the APPs go to a meeting, right? right? Yeah, Who's exactly. going to take care of them? Right? It's <laughs> exactly. like all the residents are here. No, no, totally. that's not going to, never going to happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, great, Robin. Well, thank you very much for your time, and we look forward to hearing more from you. I'll have to have you to back on the podcast in the future. All
2: right, thank thank you, you so much.